0: If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state By staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.
1: This is your host, Dr. Erica, and I'd love to welcome you to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This episode explores relationships, intimacy, connection, along with specific challenges in relationships for high-achieving women. My guest is Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, who is also known as the Intimacy Doctor. Doesn't that just sound so cool? And she has a talent for breaking down skills to nurture intimacy in relationships into simple, actionable steps. So you're not going to want to miss a moment. So don't worry, this episode has tools that can help you regardless of your gender or relationship status. Now let's go ahead and get to the questions this episode will answer. First one is, how do you revive a dehydrated relationship? Number two, what is the power of speaking the truth? Number three, how do you speak the truth in a kind way? Because you know there are plenty of times truth isn't always received well. Now, the next one, which is number four, is what is the difference between being and doing? The last number five is what are strategies for high achieving women to be successful in relationships? Now, I know you may still be wondering if the episode is for you. If you're thinking, I'm not in a relationship or I'm not even a high achieving woman. Well, the answer is yes. This episode features concrete ways to find more joy in life, have better relationships and be kind to yourself and others. Now, one more quick thing. You're going to hear shareable moments. You may even want to take a few notes on this episode. <laughs> you know how I do. Let me tell you how we share in Better Nation. All you have to do is post on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. It's that simple. Now, I can't wait for you to hear the episode. So let me get out of the way. Onto the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. I am so excited to be here in season three, and I have someone super special for you. Now, I'd act like this was a total surprise, but you've already listened to the intro, so you technically have heard who it is, but I have to give one more intro to her. And it's kind of a mini intro because you know how I keep saying that reading bios isn't my ministry. I did a pledge to do an experiment in season three where I'm not gonna read bios But Dr. Alexandra Stockwell is so wonderful and so fly that there are two things I have to actually say out of her bio just because I want to say them. And I'm giving her all the credit because she wrote it. It's in her bio. So it's not these. These aren't my words. These are her words. But I love that she says she has shown men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. And I love that she's called the intimacy doctor. How cool is that? That sounds so much cooler than being a psychiatrist. It just sounds super cool. But before I just get on a super tangent and start rambling forever, I want to welcome Dr. Alexandra Stockwell to the pod. And I want to let her tell you a little bit about herself, because as I said,
2: I'm not going to be reading these bios this season.
1: I read it, though.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm thrilled to have a conversation with you. And it's so funny what you say about bios because like, they have their function, but how often do you hear them and then feel like you actually have a sense of the person? (laughs) Even though I've told you absolutely no details about me, you already know more from just having heard those few sentences and how I said them about who I am. But let me go on and say that (laughs) I trained in practice as a family medicine doctor, and now don't do that anymore. I am full-time a relationship and intimacy coach. I specialize in showing couples who love one another and are committed to their relationship how to have really fantastic, passionate, long-lasting relationships. And the one other thing that I'll say, which you'll hear throughout our conversation, I'm sure, is that I believe that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. And the real issue and why most people don't have fantastic relationships is not because there's anything wrong with them. It's due to a lack of education. So I think of you, Dr. Erica, as a teacher, and I think of me as a teacher. Well, I'm so excited
1: because I feel like I talk to people all day. Literally, that's my job. I talk all day. I listen all day. And so many people are so frustrated with trying to figure out how to not only have meaningful relationships, but for them to be fulfilling. And I love the fact that you have been able to decode some of this So that then people can learn these skills, because I do believe a lot of this relationship building, communication, a lot of that is a skill, but it also is a skill being able to break it down in a way that someone can actually take that away from working with you. So I want to say thank you for all you do.
2: Well, thank you. I think it's really necessary, and it can sometimes feel like relationships are all just kind of unwieldy ill-defined, hard to pinpoint emotions. And that isn't true. Or that they're just some mysterious black box. And so I do think it's super important. And honestly, I think this is something that's a gift from my husband, who's a Harvard graduate. He studied neuroscience there. He's now chief of pain management in the area where we work. And he has a beautiful heart. He is a very sensitive human being. But he is a logical, analytical, intellectually awake person. And I guess I'll just say a little bit more, which is that his parents are divorced, my parents are divorced. Like, we really did not know how to create the marriage that we now have, which is extraordinary and fulfilling. And one of the important steps in my contribution to the quality of our marriage was really understanding that what he needed to know and understand was super different than what I needed to know and understand. And that if I wanted to have a great relationship, I had to be able, people talk about the love languages, mm-hmm. but this is love language in a whole other context. I needed, like he used to say to me in the first five years of our marriage, we were are coming up on 26 years in Ooh. March of 2022. But the first five years of our marriage, he used to say, I just wish there was a manual. Mm. And at first, that was a funny joke. It was annoying after that. But ultimately, I realized that there was a very tender request in there, which was to keep things simple, bite-sized, create successes, and the momentum builds from there. And in that way, One can take a dehydrated relationship and infuse it with juiciness and passion, not because of sprinkling fairy dust, but literally Mm -hmm. through engaging our beautiful minds and step by step opening our hearts and whatever other part of us we want to open.
1: Can I just have a moment for dehydrated relationship? I feel like that's such a great descriptor, but I never had actually even thought of it like that. But I feel like you just really honed in on on what I hear and see all the time. And I'm also so excited that your background is in family medicine. That was actually the only other
2: rotation I halfway liked in medical school. (laughs) You know, that's so funny. I didn't love my family medicine rotation. I actually loved inpatient psychiatry because when people are quote crazy it may not be pc to say that but you know when their reality is a different reality or they're not adhering to societal norms mm-hmm. and suffering because of that but the important point that in what i'm saying is not adhering to societal norms in terms of how they interact there's a willingness and a naturalness in speaking the truth which i really i loved I didn't want to be doing that for my whole career, but there is something about when we, like, there's a kind of permission in mental illness, which isn't helpful for interacting with society, but I feel like there's something for us to learn about honesty and transparency, which sometimes expresses in that way. I know that's off topic, but I do want to say that um, I sometimes think of those patients of mine. Who mm-hmm. would just say the things you're not supposed to say, but we all know they were true, and I think there's a way in relationships where we often create our own rules about what we're not supposed to say. Mm. And when we find the courage to actually say them, every both people in the relationship recognizes recognize the truth, although now swerving completely from inpatient <laughs> psychiatric patients and to those who have cultivated mental health it, that the issue really is learning how to say it so that it can be heard in a way that leads to more connection rather than division or disconnection.
1: The interesting thing about what you say is, ironically, I have that experience when I work with kids. Hmm, I can see that. Because literally, they just say whatever. It's like I always think of these random times where um, people out there in podcast land, you may not know, I'm old school, I look youthful, but I actually wear pantyhose to work every day. I I—I just do. I am that person. I wear pantyhose as fancy as it gets. Is Up here in Massachusetts, I wear fleece-lined tights a few days a week, but usually I wear pantyhose. And I always remember that the... Kids with autism would want to touch my legs. And I even have a cousin with autism. And it was the texture. It's like they, they're like, wow. And and then somebody asked me, you know, every once in a while, a young kid will ask me something. I have very short hair about my hair, but it's always interesting because they just say, whatever. But I do think, and I love where we're going with this conversation about the amount of freedom that comes with truth. Yes and the amount of emotional and mental capacity that you release when you're no longer playing mental gymnastics of how either to tell a lie, to omit the truth, to twist the truth, and how much just mental capacity it frees when you're actually able to walk and speak in truth?
2: Completely. And the way that I break this down and simplify it step by step is that I like to talk about a spectrum. And on one side, there's in a relationship, someone who's narcissistic, egocentric, and we all know that that is bad. And on the, I mean, I'm being simplistic, but anyway. And on the other end of the spectrum is someone who's nice and really considerate of their partner. And in society, we reward that. We reward niceness and we do not reward narcissism, which is so Self centered. But in fact, when it comes to passion and juiciness and dynamic, vibrant, nourishing relationships, they're sort of equivalent because the narcissist just has attention on themselves and the nice person really prioritizes the other person's experience. And so I like to use the word kind to describe. When you really honor your own experience and share it, and you also honor your partner's experience and are willing to receive it. And it's in kindness that, in the way we've just been talking about, the truth sets you free, the truth makes you, brings you closer together. Once, when I'm coaching couples, once, they are really oriented to kindness and they understand how to be kind to themselves and one another. Some things are said which could have, like, the person speaking them would have thought it would be really dangerous to say mm. it. But when both people are oriented to kindness and familiar with having these kinds of conversations, the truth really does bring them closer together. Another way this happens, it just happened um, a few weeks ago, coaching a couple and I was interacting over email with a man in a heteronormative relationship. And he was just kind of confused because they'd had an argument. He'd said all these feelings that he'd never expressed in their 18-year marriage. And then they had some of the best time in their bedroom like a standout experience for them in their two decades together and he was like he mentioned it as a kind of confusing like unrelated thing like isn't that weird then afterwards we had this beautiful time together and I was like no (laughs) that's not weird and ideally you speak the truth and it doesn't need to be include anger. But either way, you both feel when the emotional wall has eroded. And when the emotional walls have eroded, then it's much easier to come together in body and soul. I love that.
1: And I love that one of the things I'm hearing underneath this is when you get to the space of this higher level of communication, that there's this, this piece that's really about intention. Intention. Completely. And how, and how then, it, there are ways to say things that would have felt, as you mentioned, dangerous or or just not safe before, that then you have created a safe space because of everyone can trust each other's intentions.
2: Yes, and I I have a story to tell. I know we're eventually headed in the direction of talking about high achieving women and their relationship challenges. And I want to tell you about a client of mine. I think she'd been married for 32 years. And honestly, all the stories I tell, anything over five years, this could be a story (laughs) from being married for six years, being married for 32 years, being married for 40. But anyway, they'd been married for 32 years. She was a corporate executive Super high achieving first generation American with a very strong work ethic and focus on getting things done, married to a man with the same kind of work ethic and focus. And I was speaking to her about the importance of vulnerability in sharing in a, you know, this isn't just for marital or romantic relationships, but in any case, that was the context I was talking about it. And she said, Yeah, but what if he just actually doesn't care? You know, like she had tried to say things vulnerably and he just didn't respond. He was still in his phone. And once I was clear that he wasn't a narcissist, there was no toxicity, he wasn't an active alcoholic or any of these things where fundamental safety is the first priority. I then said to her, knowing that wasn't the case, that they were two healthy, loving people, then you need to be more vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. so she was very skeptical. She felt like she knew their dynamic and wasn't hopeful it could evolve, but she trusted me enough to try it. And the next time I spoke with her, she told me, I told him, And I'm trying to model the vulnerability Mm -hmm. as I share this with you, slowing down, being very deliberate. Even though the words are not simple, the communication feels Mm. simple and not padded with caveats and giggles. She said, sometimes I feel unimportant and taken for granted. And he responded by saying, Me too. Wow. And I want to emphasize these were two very high achieving people who are used to working through their long to do lists every day. And she could have said that in a way that had him f- become defensive because he felt attacked. He could have responded yeah, me too, bitch. Or I don't know Mm -hmm. if I can say that, but like (laughs) there are a lot of ways that this could go, but it was all in her being vulnerable and just describing her own experience. She wasn't talking about him as the cause. She just said, sometimes I feel unseen and unimportant. And that served as an invitation to really meet in a place that they had never before met in their 32 years together. And the thing that pivoted it was her willingness to be more vulnerable than she would have imagined.
1: That just, I'm not even married and that just hits me in my soul because I feel like when I talk to, especially I work with a lot of women and that theme of feeling feeling unseen or unvalued is so huge. And and then I want to we're going to circle back to this. Is one of the things I often talk to my audience out there about is the better seven. These seven areas of your life that are essential um, to you being able to be better, do better, and and live better, and to ultimately put you back in your life. And there are two that I feel like we're talking about. One is support. So your connectedness, your interpersonal relationships. And the other one ironically is self-talk because a lot of times when we start getting in these relationship situations, and as Dr. Alexandra mentioned that some of these, we're talking right now a lot in the context of romantic relationships, but these can happen in so many other kinds of interpersonal relationships that when people start feeling unseen or or not valued that it ends up being reflected back to them in their own self-talk so one of the reasons I think it's important to work through some of these interpersonal relationships and our communication and dyads is so that that doesn't spill over into the way we are communicating with ourselves.
2: I totally agree. And I want to bring in the concept of the Aristotelian mean. Aristotle is the ancient Greek philosopher and the first to ever write a book about ethics and how human beings should behave. And in ancient Greece, one of the highest values was courage. Oh, wow. And so what Aristotle said is, if you are a coward and you want to have courage aim for brash like way overshoot to all the way to like irresponsibly active and you'll end up at courage at courageous okay. and i once um i used to consult in some private schools and i remember there was a teacher who had a very mousy voice and She talked to me about how her colleagues didn't take her suggestions seriously, but they were very, I mean, she was a smart, competent woman. And I talked to her about her voice, but I said, if it's going to need to feel to you like you're shouting in order for it to sound assertive to the people around you, because we get used to talking to ourselves and assessing ourselves in certain ways. So I'm saying this in connection with this story. This woman had thought she was vulnerable because within her comfort zone, she had been vulnerable with her Mm -hmm. partner. And that's why I needed to say, be much more vulnerable. And then she hit the amount of vulnerability she was actually aiming for. So when it comes to self-talk, if you're, wanting to achieve something with a partner or a boss or an employee or whomever. And you're saying to yourself, I don't know if, if I can succeed with this conversation. I don't know if this person's going to take me seriously or whatever it is, look for how to flip that statement and then dial it up and say that Mm -hmm. to yourself. So if it's like, um, I don't know if they're going to take me seriously, maybe it's, I deserve to be fully honored by the whole world, which can mm-hmm. sound very dramatic, but that will give you enough energy to accomplish the specific situation you're in.
1: I love all of that. And just the idea of of kind of, it, it's always, it's, it's like a version of the if you know if you if you i don't even i can never remember if it's if you shoot if you shoot for the oh, moon yeah, if you miss you'll stronger, be among the stars yeah, you'll be yeah. among the stars uh, <laughs> but i always want to remix it and put the sun in it and stuff <laughs> don't go anywhere you don't want to miss a single thing that my guest dr alexandra stockwell has to say next better with dr erica it's time for what's up with dr erica I just listened to this episode again, and I was reminded of the power of giving yourself permission to slow down. I often find that I learn or just notice new nuggets every time I listen to these podcasts, even when I listen to them multiple times. This morning, I didn't rush through getting ready like I often do. And I know we all get so busy and we're rushing because there's always some place to be or something to do. But I took the time to enjoy the feel of the hot water on my skin as I took my shower to make eye contact with myself as I brush my teeth and floss because you you know you got to take care of the teeth and as I put on face products. These quiet moments are excellent opportunities to give back love to yourself by treating yourself with care. Treating yourself with care, kindness, and respect is a great way to remind yourself that you also deserve care, kindness, and respect from others. You matter, so show yourself some extra love because you deserve it. Why don't you try slowing down and doing the intentional face washing that we're going to talk about in this episode. I'd love to hear what you think. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. How did you end up getting interested in working with high-achieving women?
2: Well, I am a high-achieving woman. I Mm. was super – I mean, I still am, but I want to talk about it in the past tense because it's a vibe. I was super ambitious. I – went to medical school. I did my training. I had my own practice actually north of Boston. We used to Mm -hmm. live in Massachusetts. And I had one child between third and fourth years of medical school, one before my internship at a time when I knew nobody else who had children during medical school. I just was driven, driven, driven. And I got to my mid thirties and I'd paid off my medical school loans. I had my own practice. I had this beautiful marriage, which was dehydrated, but it qualified as beautiful back in the day. Mm -hmm. And at the time, three of my children, we have four. And I just didn't have that sense of satisfaction that I had anticipated after checking off all of my Mm. very valuable goals. And I certainly didn't see living that way another three, four decades, however long I'd be blessed to live and work. And so This was before the phenomenon of physician burnout and I was not burnt out, but I took a sabbatical and what I realized is that I didn't, hadn't really done things just because I felt like it or just because I wanted Mm. to, even going on vacation, it was in order to give the children an educational experience or for us to be, like it always felt like a goal, you know? Not just because I felt like it. I hadn't done that, you know, since I was four years old. And in the process of doing that, i the rest of the story brings me to being a relationship and intimacy coach. But I came to understand first in my own experience that you can't really be driven and going for the next thing. And truly enjoy the moment at the same time. Mm -hmm. Those qualities can coexist in the same woman, of course, but not in the same moment. And having big dreams and making them come true and being really driven for what will be accomplished and transformation that will occur, that restricts the amount of connection and emotional and other intimacy that is possible in a relationship. That requires more presence and we could say mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't I wasn't this clear about about it when it was happening to me, but because I had that experience, I have seen this again and again and again with high performing women the way that they problem solve and look at a hurdle and know how to resolve it in all the other areas of their life whether it's fitness or increasing revenue or whatever um increasing impact of their business like whatever it is there's a certain skill set where you identify the problem right. and then you figure out what's needed and you make things happen And that skill doesn't translate when it comes to a better romantic relationship. It does maybe a little bit, but it doesn't take it all the way to really gratifying. And so the more high performing a woman is, the more the shift to have relationship be nourishing, to allow oneself to really be supported essentially to shift into seeing one's value in who one is being rather than in what one is doing or has done or will do is a shift which comes up very uniquely in high-performing women. And I guess I just want to say one more thing, which is that in certain circles – people talk about masculine and feminine energy, like to be successful in society, you really need to run your masculine energy. And if you want a good relationship, you need to really tap into your feminine energy. And I don't think of it that way at all. I really think of it in terms of authenticity and full spectrum. So I never want someone to feel they have to Dial down the ambitious side of them is just not the part that is going to bring them a deeper sense of connection and collaboration and heat in the relationship.
1: You just said, I'd say it was a word, but it was so many words and they were all <laughs> so good. And I love that you highlighted kind of this difference between doing and being. Because I feel like that's something that came up when I was getting ready to write my book, Fix Your Fairy Tale: A Woman's Guide to a Great Life, Love, and Legacy, is that there is fantastic ends up being all...
2: title by the way. Thank I you. Just love it.
1: Thank you. There ends up being all this virtual checklist of all these things we're told we're supposed to do, and in the midst of doing all these things, that it's so often to run into women that they do all these things and they don't feel fulfilled. Partially because some of these things weren't things they actually wanted to really do. Someone else just told them to do it. The other is I feel like it starts becoming a skill to be able to nurture, to be able to be, to be able to just kind of be comfortable in that space of being, to feel comfortable in who you are, what you feel like your purpose is, what you actually really truly desire versus it being everything everyone's told you to do. And that there's just so much freedom in the being. And I love the fact that you bring in the fact that this ability to be is one of the things that's going to translate into being able to maintain a healthy relationship. And I think that's a great way to just kind of switch gears a little bit because, I, you know, one of the things I love, I feel like you've cracked the code on so many things is, What are some of these keys that you found that just help women, especially high-achieving women, be more successful in relationships? Because I see people all day long, every day, kind of talking about, as you describe it, these dehydrated relationships. And and what do you think are some keys to turning that around for women?
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to go super practical about this. And then if you want to know, like, why (laughs) and wherefore, (laughs) I'll answer it. Okay. Okay. So my one of the first things I strongly recommend is that if you're a woman listening, when you wash your face in the morning, instead of being efficient, thinking about other things and basically treating your face like a kitchen counter and just like rubbing it so it's clean Mm -hmm. to instead... Make it a sensual experience. It doesn't take that much longer. It's essentially, in this context, what I would say a shift from doing to being. You get your face cleaned anyway, but you get to feel the warmth and the amount of friction, the temperature of the water, and just to caress yourself the way you do when you're touching a baby that's a week old and you just so gently like pat their fingers and it's such a sacred thing. Well, maybe your face doesn't feel like the soft flesh of a newborn baby, but you can touch yourself with the same kind of sacred connectedness. And for some women, this could be like Oh, yeah, like just make it something special, but there are many women who will hear this and feel like scared i i i one I had a woman once whom who heard me talk and say this, and she messaged me afterwards and she said, "I've been sexually abused, and i I can't do this." I can't wash Mm -hmm. my face with that much care and intentionality because, I'm now saying this, she didn't say this, Mm -hmm. because it requires a willingness to feel and be and inhabit the body so profoundly that if that's not a safe thing to do, then it's very hard to wash Mm -hmm. your face in a really caring way. So, okay, what does this have to do with success in relationships. You already talked about the importance of self-talk and I want to just expand on that and talk about the importance of our relationship to ourselves. That is far and away the first thing, the most important prerequisite for a high-performing woman to have a wonderful relationship with someone else because what makes for a wonderful, especially romantic relationship is when you feel a heart connection and a physical connection. And if your consciousness is mostly mental, then you're not actually available for the kind of relationship that would be nourishing in the way one yearns for. So you need to open open the sensuality, really, and the beingness in yourself and then even if your partner doesn't change at all, your interactions are going to feel very different. Even when I just talk about this, my shoulders relax, my voice is a little deeper and slower. Like, As I imagine washing my face this way, I inhabit a different part of my soul, and it is the part of my soul that can engage and co-create a wonderful relationship. Now, It's still true that the house needs to be clean. The dog needs to be walked. The litter needs to be changed. The lunches need to be like, but to just drop in and there are more opportunities to do that than one imagines another time that um, I love doing this and I love talking about it because it's easy to implement Mm -hmm. is if you live with someone and, one or the other of you leaves the house for work each day or both of you, whoever leaves first can just go or yell, Hey honey, you know, see you later Mm -hmm. or come give a peck or it doesn't take any more time for both of you to actually be present. Let your lips come together. Let it, let you both feel your souls connecting and then, Whoever heads out the door, it doesn't take more time, but when you come back together in the evening, that feels a lot more like a reunion if that was what the departure felt like. Okay. So the overriding theme for a conversation like this is just five moments of more presence with yourself and with your partner, and it's going to feel different than how you make change and improvements in other areas of your life.
1: That just felt profound. I'm I'm really sitting here, contemplating what product I'm about to wash my face with. Because <laughs> now I have this little thing that I can rub on my face too to like facial massage. I was like, I'm gonna do all of that as soon as I get off this recording, um, so that I can be kind to myself. Is I I just love the how present moment awareness just seems to make everything better, and I love how. A lot of these keys just seem to center along being being present and being present for yourself and also present for your partner, which especially in these days where there's so much going on, that it's so powerful when you slow down, even if it's only for a minute, of what the difference it makes when you slow down and you're not kind of running around like I'm going to date myself here, like Speedy Gonzalez or the Tasmanian Devil. And totally. just kind of moving from thing to thing to thing. And I see that in a lot of people I work with also, which is, I'm not surprised you're anxious because all you, you know, I, have, I literally was sitting with a patient last week and we were talking about how they're constantly anxious about all this thinking of everything that's about to happen. And then they feel all this shame for everything that happened before. And there's no time spent in the present. So literally, someone's mind's getting pulled apart. So, all of that to say, I I love those suggestions and how simple they are and how kind they are.
2: Yeah. And if you're listening and you're a smart, high-achieving woman, do yourself a favor and don't dismiss what I've shared because it's so simple and seemingly unimpressive. It's sort of like salt. Salt's like no big deal, but <laughs> if you add it to your food, it becomes delicious. I know. It's like salt is the gift that keeps
1: on giving too. <laughs> yes. It is. It until you until you do too much and yes. like now you now you're all hypertensive and having all of these issues. But but it's something that is just like a secret sauce that's not so secret. Yeah. But I, I know one of the other things people are dealing with right now is there's there's I'm gonna use the word, there is so much craziness going on with this never ending pandemic that I feel like I'm running into a lot of people that are feeling like their capacity is pulled so badly right now. What are some things that you've seen that you think could be helpful in the midst of dealing with all of these changes, all of this uncertainty to help people still connect no matter what the challenges are in the moment?
2: So I'm going to say a few different things. One is if you're alone or lonely, even if you're somewhere where you're not actually in lockdown anymore, one can really do a lot doing, I guess I'll call it self-massage, but I just mean like touching touching yourself with kindness everywhere. That sure, you might want a hug from someone else, but don't diminish how good a hug from you to you will feel it's still stimulating. I don't know mm-hmm. if anyone has studied if it gets the oxytocin going the way a hug with another person does, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if you really take the care or have a dance break, turn on some music and dance like just something to create a state change physically. That's right. one thing, which is super helpful. Another is that in the pandemic, we do have more time if nothing else because there's less time commuting mm-hmm. and take that time and use it to have good conversations i early in the pandemic i was interviewed a bunch of times by dating sites who are like how do we date you know in the pandemic and we can't get together Actually, it's an opportunity to learn how to have much more authentic communications because we aren't distracting ourselves with moving on to the next person in the room or whatever. And that's true also with the people that you live with, like take the time to have conversations that maybe you haven't had before. And I, there are actually a number of different companies that create these boxes with questions to like, ask if you could be president of a country, what, which country and what would you do? Like it can be playful. And then the third thing I would say is to really spend more time outside than most people are inclined to. That is one of the easiest ways to feel better, feel more alive, create an internal state change, is to just get some fresh air. And that is very basic, but many of us aren't doing it. Yeah. I miss my balcony. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, yes.
1: I, I literally was doing everything on the balcony. So I'm away from home oh, yeah. and I'm so more cold.
2: You said that because I was just listening to one of your episodes about doing watching movies on the patio it sounded so fun yes, it was i had my little chair i had my ipad i had a
1: i had a bowl of popcorn a little blanket it, i was living the life yeah it was it was great but now it's i'm in massachusetts for a little while and it is super cold so um the i'm just hanging outside to hang outside it's like it's a little bit more purpose driven um but i did pack all of the items so that when it's a tolerable temp, I can actually go for walks. So I have like the little hat and the puffy coat so I can Awesome, go
2: awesome, awesome. I'm trying. I try. It's rough.
1: This winter thing is different, but um, I do love the idea of being creative. Because sometimes you have to just be a little bit creative and think out of the box and just be intentional. Because sometimes it's like, it's easy in
2: these cases to end up just on the couch. Right. And that's, that's basically, you don't need to be on the couch and you don't need more stuff. So how do you want to be more alive? Move your body, have a new experience, be outside, have a new conversation. And I, I didn't say this before, but I would also add, pick some part of yourself where you want growth. That will go very far. If you want to learn a new language, if you want to learn to be more kind, if you, like whatever it is, whatever area currently frustrates you, look for what growth in that area might look like and pursue it.
1: Don't go anywhere. We'll be back soon with my wonderful guest, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
1: Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle. Show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus-free coaching tools. So visit JoinBetterNation.com. That's JoinBetterNation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. So we're going to switch gears into these little speed round situations. So you ready for the speed round questions? I am. All right. So question number one is what are your three favorite songs?
2: Okay. I have to tell you, I thought about this and I listen to a lot of songs right now because my son who's a baseball player is choosing his walk-up song, the song that plays when he walks (laughs) to base. So we have a lot of conversations about this, but really... What I want to say is that my favorite songs, it's situational. So okay. one is, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, because my one of my sons sang it as a solo in, um, in like a hall with 5000 people in the audience. He was seven oh. years old. And I remember oh. saying to him, are you nervous? He said, why would I be nervous? So that's, my, that's why that one. is. I love Moon River. That's well, that was the okay. song my husband and I danced to, and <gasps> I really love the Brahms Lullaby because I sang it to all of my kids. So I know that those aren't necessarily cool answers, but they are my genuine answers.
1: Hey, we're we're all here for authenticity, and I totally I love how they all have all these little memories attached to them. Let me not say little because those yes, are really yes, big yes, memories. Yes. They're they're very nice memories. So so I love I just totally love that. Um, now, you have me wanting to go listen to some Brahms. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And now,
2: what is one thing that you do that's free for self care? Honestly, I feel like I've shared them in the episode. I make a point of washing my face in a way that afterwards I don't just have a clean face, but I have a whole new perspective on life.
1: I, as I said before, I'm going to try that as soon as we get off. I've I've washed my face today, but it's about to be washed again. (laughs) (laughs) So good. It is. Now, what's something about you that most people wouldn't know?
2: When I was 42 years old, I performed burlesque at a club in downtown (gasps) Manhattan. And if you're listening, you don't know. I am overweight. I'm... Five foot three, but it was quite an experience to own my body in that way. That just, that sounds so fantabulous. It, it just sounds like like if
1: freedom was in the Wikipedia, and I'm, I'm trying to be like the young people because usually I'd say the encyclopedia. <laughs> I I I had the, those old Funkin' Wagnalls ones.
2: Yes, 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 of course.
1: That my little cousin would call Funky Wagnalls. <laughs> I know them well, well. I, well. I love that. See, I wouldn't have guessed that. Now, what is something that's helped you get through the pandemic?
2: Honestly, one of the biggest things which has helped me is ignoring that I'm in the pandemic. So I don't mean like being out to lunch about it or in denial, but in fact, most days in my family, we've we've all had COVID once, but most days in these two years of the pandemic, mm-hmm. we were all healthy, we were all capable, and the weight of the world and who is the president and who might still be the, like all those things, mm-hmm. it was not actually within our four walls. And I tried to keep our home life, even though we were all at home way more, that it still felt like our home and our family and that all these things happening outside didn't infiltrate our house. And that has made it pass more, um, in a more civilized way. See, that's why I asked this
1: question. You never know what you're going to get. And sometimes you get something that's like, oh, I didn't even think of it that way. So my next question for you is what are some final thoughts and
2: takeaways you want to leave the audience with? Well, I want to leave the audience with something I said right at the beginning, which is that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. And what I've also said, which is that the usual problem solving skills don't work as well when it comes to relationship. You can't Google it. You can't, make an Excel spreadsheet or any of those things, but you can be creative and courageous and experimental. Like you don't actually need to have the right answer. That's more how a perfectionist would approach it. And that's not going to work with relationships. Mm -hmm. The thing I really want to leave people with is try it. And if you want to tell your partner, you know what? I want to, I want to improve this in our relationship, so let's try X. And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't work, we'll drop it. But maybe it will work, and if nothing else, it'll show us what to try next. Like there's a way in which we get very serious about our relationships are either good or bad, and if they're bad, we want to fix them. And it's much more um, helpful to think of our relationships as a canvas where we can always keep adding – new colors, and new perspectives.
1: I'm just feeling warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I just need to call you once a week, just because. Be I like, would up? love that. I think that would be beautiful. So since I've already declared I'm going to call you, I'm not asking you to give everybody out there your phone number.
2: I don't what really answer that? the phone, so that's that's not the best way to reach me for you either. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how can the people
1: find you to get a little bit more of Dr. Alexandra
2: Stockwell? Well, come to my website, alexandrastockwell.com. And I'm starting to do a whole bunch on Instagram. So certainly follow me there to alexandra.stockwell.intimacy. Oh, I love it.
1: And if y'all y'all need to go to this website. Dr. Erica's officially saying you should check it out. It's such a great website. You will not disappoint. So you need to check out all of her stuff. Can you do that for me? All right. I'm assuming I, that I'm hearing yeses out there. Um, the first thing I want to say is just thank you, Dr. Alexandra, for taking time out of your busy life to spend with myself and my peeps and to be present um, in this moment and to share this moment with me. I want to say thank you to all of you listeners out here that have chosen to spend your time with us. I know there are zillions of podcasts out there, and you could have hit anyone, but you chose to hit better with Dr. Erica. So thank you. I want to encourage you to do a few things. The first is, I want you to actually try this wash your face intentionally, kindly, and slowly thing. I want to hear what happens when all y'all do that. I want you to try it. But the next is, to remember to be kind to yourself so that then you have more capacity to be kind to others. And by being kind to yourself, that gives you more space to be honest with yourself and your loved ones. So that not only can you help meet other people's needs, but you can actually get your needs met. And the next thing I just want to say is just thank you once again. You know, it it always helps me bring better content if you follow because number one, you want to follow and subscribe because you don't want to miss anything. I drop bonuses and stuff. You don't want to miss anything going on. The next thing is, is if you can rate and review, that makes everything even better. So thank you so much. And the last thing is, I just want you to be kind to yourself. I want you to take your left arm, actually your left hand. I always feel like when I tell you people do this, I'm about to sing the hokey pokey, but take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Now take your right hand, Put it on your left arm. Give yourself a super big squeeze and get that hug that you deserve. So that's what I got for you today. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button. Then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better.
2: Better with Dr. Erica.
0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit Health Podcast Network dot com.